California is really a soul home because my soul feels so at home there that I can just be who I am. And that is a curious, wild, free spirit, which questions probably often the status quo, but also believes in so much beauty. Hey, this is Achim Novak, executive coach and host of the My Fourth Act podcast. If life is a five-act play, how will you spend your fourth act? I have conversations with exceptional humans who have created bold and unexpected fourth acts. Listen and be inspired, and please rate us and subscribe on whatever platform you are listening on. Let's get started. I am just delighted to welcome Eve Simon to the My Fourth Act podcast. Eve is an expert in regenerative leadership. She's an igniter of innovation and change, an executive coach, an author, a TEDx speaker, and a serial entrepreneur. Eve likes to say that she is German by nature and Californian by heart. And this, in a way, just defines her unusual approach to things and the essence of how she shows up in life. Prior to starting her first venture, Inspirations Without Borders, in 2005, Eve managed national marketing, communications, and change at telecommunication giant E+. She is the mom to a beautiful 10-year-old daughter and has fashioned a life that has her spending loads of time in Dusseldorf and loads of time in the largest San Francisco and Silicon Valley area. Welcome, Eve. Thank you so much, Achim. It's such an honor to be here. I'm happy that you're here. For our listeners, Eve and I ironically met in California at a professional event. We were the only two German-born people there and immediately found each other, and we've since become friends. And there are many, many, many reasons why I want to speak with you, but also the question of how we navigate an international life, if we are drawn to that. You and I have both experienced that and are experiencing it, but it's also something that I think many people dream about. And you have a very tangible experience on top of it as a mom of a girl who has to go to school and you have to navigate all those realities. But let's start in Deutschland, in Germany. And I wonder, when you were a young girl growing up and you were thinking about, oh, what, what do I want to do with my life? Or what do I want to be? What was in your head? I would say not so much were in my head, but I was more driven by wild curiosity, which probably drove my parents crazy. But I always thought like, hey, what's behind the next bush? Or I love talking to people. So I feel there was not so much planning, but rather go with my heart. And I think this continued throughout my life. When you say wild curiosity, I love that phrase. I think of, and I could be wrong, like, you know, the child who runs around like wild, drives mom and dad crazy. They always have to ring you back in. Were you that kind of a daughter? Yeah, pretty much. I got also through this very strong socialization process, I would say, right? Become the good girl when I needed to. 
but there were always underlying something. Ooh, I could do this and I could do that. So definitely I had very often very open knees because I was climbing on every tree and loved to play soccer outside in our courtyard with the boys in our neighborhood. But to be honest, the really wild was more allowed when I moved first to California. Yeah. And I think you mentioned born and raised in Germany and California is really a soul home because my soul feels so at home there that I can just be who I am. And that is a curious, wild, free spirit, which questions probably often the status quo, but also believes in so much beauty. And reflecting on your question, it was very interesting because I always thought I want to become a doctor. Mm-hmm. And really in my studies went for that. And my parents didn't like it because very uh, long study is very expensive. And they thought I'm way too soft for that because I was also at a young age, always very empathic and in tune with others and others' pain. But looking back, what really was behind it, there was something where I wanted to help and make the things better. And that was related to another passion I had. I really love interior design and beauty, also natural beauty. And both of these sides were really unleashing very much in uh, in California. The helping spirit, that's where we met, right? At the Wisdom 2.0 conference, where you are more in tune with what's really important, what triggers us, what holds us together. So I think the, the wild part coming back to you is unleashed more in an environment where more crazy souls are who are dragging for something which might not fit in a box yeah. as it usually is more here in Germany where we look to something a little bit more conform. You described it so beautifully and I, I think even within the United States, you know, I live in South Florida, California, and this could be a stereotype, but it has a reputation of you know, being on the forefront of things, of uh, being an experimentation sort of place. It's where Silicon Valley comes in, where places like Esalen, which are our personal growth, comes in. And the, the forefront of all of those things that that you are also very interested in. Now, since you, I have to chuckle that you immediately took us to California in this conversation. But I'm curious, how how did you first get to California from Dusseldorf. How did that happen? It's connected to the story I just shared because my parents didn't want that I become a doctor and I did not want to become a banker. That I opened a magazine, a newspaper at that time, still available. And I looked through this and I was like, oh, this is an interesting ad. Au pair needed in San Francisco. I'm cool. I've never been over there. Sounds interesting. Just let's do it. That's uh, how I ended up. I looked for a little boy and I studied English and marketing in Berkeley and got to know the Bay Area and fall in love with this beautiful and very fun and crazy place. 
Now, I've been to San Francisco many times, and especially, I mean, there are, my memory is that it's, the magic is the air and the views and the things you see. But since you called it your soul home in this conversation, what in your soul, you know, came alive when you first went there as an au pair? What happened inside of you? Well, it was definitely this unleashing of what was inside of me. And whatever that is, in my case, it was this very curious, wild, free spirit who wanted to make the world a better place. I feel also in my experience, that is what the Bay Area does. It unleashes something which is deep inside of us, a need, a wish, an urge, our talents, whatever that is. And you were mentioning, yeah, weather is fabulous, scenery is fabulous. And I often reflect on that if this is really what draws me to this place. But I have to say, Portugal has great weather too, or Spain, or Italy, or Bali, or other places all very beautiful with beautiful people but there is something in the energy of silicon valley of the bay area which is so unique and people really feel that when they step into that it's not just the beauty of the beautiful yeah. color painted victorians yeah. and yeah. the sunshine there is an energy which is Unleashing, maybe through the Andrea's fault, which is always in this tension of right. unleashing, and it unleashes something in, in us, which lets us take the world to another place in a good and in a bad way. Yeah. I'm interested in two things that I know are really important in in your current life, which are your focus on regenerative leadership and some of our listeners may go what the hell is that so we can talk about it but also you became a mom relatively late in life you were already in your early 40s you're in your early 50s now you have a beautiful 10 year old daughter so you're navigating a professional passion you're navigating being a mom and you're navigating a uh, a life that goes back and forth between where you were born and what you call your soul home. So there's a lot of balls in the air there. And I think many people have, they may not have a 10-year-old daughter, but think about, oh, how do I create a life that can really encompass all my passions and interests? Fred, I know you had a career for a while, a more traditional corporate career, and these days, because you're a sought-after executive coach, you're often the outsider who comes in to facilitate programs or coach people in that world, but you're not in a traditional full-time role. So let's talk about those years that you were an insider. And I love to talk about in two ways. One, if you had to think of a moment where you go, that was amazing. This is what I loved about being inside in that world. But the follow-up would be is, this is a moment where I went, I have to get out of here. Maybe this is too confining. This doesn't feel right. So take us to both extremes, if you will. 
Yeah, the first years when I came back to Germany, I did not go for the banking career, but I did go for the economic studies, which then lead me into more the industry, uh, corporate life, uh, which you just described. And I do have to say the really good part is that I started an advertisement. So still very creative environment. Even I was in account management and really consulting our clients into the right setup for their marketing activities. And I continued this when I was then working in telecommunication. But the time I went into telecommunication was still a startup, which was really cool because you were like growing and expanding and there were totally different things. I mean, at that time, not many people had a handheld like this one. So this left again room for a lot of potential and creativity. And when you look a little bit into my career, what I really love is starting. I start projects, I start departments, and I start uh, different initiatives which are needed. And so here I had this full landscape of not just uh, being in charge for the marketing division, but we also needed internal communications, which wasn't there, innovation, executive development, um, all of that, and, and being in this growth phase. And what was really beautiful besides being able to be so creative, it was also working in a team. I really love that. And that is something which I probably most miss now being independent. I love working with my clients, but at the end you come in. I feel a little bit often like the bee who comes in, you know, does a spiel and goes to the next flower. When you're in corporate, you can build long-term and with a team in a bigger sense. And this is still something I miss and I would probably still consider taking when the right opportunity comes around. But when it comes to too much confinement and the creativity goes or the politics take over, that was very painful for me yeah. because at one point I was also the spokesperson internally. And when you have to say one week, oh, we go right. Oh, no, we go left. Oh, no, we go right. Right. And this was not uh, standing up with my integrity, my values, and which is often the case why people leave because they don't feel that it is in sync with their, with their values, where they can put their talents to the plate. And at that point, it was just time to move on. And to be honest, I started my own business because I wanted to move back to California. And one part was I just went for an investor visa. I opened my own business. And that brought me back to California. It was a way to adjust my life to my career, to the life I wanted. And that is something to what you described beforehand also, which I feel is very different to many. They follow a career step and more adjust their life to their careers, where they move how they work, how many kids they have, whatever that is. My approach was more, I have a lot of talents and expertise, but I use it in the way that it fits also to my lifestyle. And you mentioned my little one, her dad is American. We have two families on two continents, right? Starting with 
that I also want that she is aware and grows up with these two talents. But it was funny because when you think about it, because you asked this question about the youth, and I really didn't thought about this, but one of my biggest dreams was when I was young, you know, in the Barbie kind of age, I always thought I have a full soccer team as my children, adopting a child from every continent, long time before the celebrities did that. It didn't work out that way. Life had another plan with me. But then when I was almost 42, I still was uh, such uh, in luck that I had the little one. Then you make different conscious decisions also for the child, I feel. A word from your sponsor. That's me. I invite you to go to the website associated with this podcast, www.myfourthact.com. You will find other equally inspiring conversation with great humans. And you will also learn more about the, the My Fourth Act Mastermind Groups, where cool people figure out how to chart their own fourth acts. Please check it out. And now back to the conversation. We'll talk about the two family lifestyle in a moment because it's a two family, but two continents. It's two, in two very different cultures. It's a big two. But one thing that struck me as you were talking, you know, is I think I had not known that you came back to the United States to start the business. And that, that was one reason that you could be in a place that you love. And, and if I remember correctly, your business was called Inspiration Without Borders, which is like the epitome of soul language, right? And soul definition and the things that you personally aspire to. Am I hearing that correctly? Yeah, absolutely. I think out of my own experience um, within the um, corporate setting, what I really felt was that when you leave the startup phase and you get more into maturity, you have to obviously make hard decisions as a leader, which are not always easy, but long-term also needed to keep the company and with that lot of jobs afloat. But I also believe with more consciousness and more awareness about how we enter, interact with each other, how we make decisions and what kind of a perspective we make decisions, we could create a healthier environment in these corporate settings. And so Inspiration Without Borders and my work then independent with my own boutique consulting firm in California was very much based on that part of let's have more consciousness. We can create something which is very thriving and create fabulous, exciting innovative solutions, but still um, have a little bit more of a human side in that. Yeah. I, I want to talk about regenerative leadership, which is a future forward term that has a lot of layers of meaning behind it. In its language that you really like to use right now, when you talk about what you value in leadership and how you support leaders, and I want to just throw in one other thought I had before we go there is you were speaking about the beauty of teamwork, you know, and that you miss it. But I'm sure many listeners are going, 
I've been on many horrible teams and teamwork can just be draining and just sucks. And I want to do my own work because I'm exhausted from these constant meetings, constant negotiations, chasing people who don't get deliverables done on time. And and I think my hunch is regenerative leadership is also in some ways an antidote, antidote to like older ways of doing things that maybe don't work so well. So with that, take me where you would like in this conversation, but I'm really curious about what regenerative leadership is. Yeah. So in my mind comes this yes and no and and, uh, <laughs> because it's definitely, it's complex, right? And I feel this is really the question you are asking is a very systemic question we see yeah. right now. And this is also related to a more regenerative leadership or business approach. And a little sidestep when I moved to the US and started this very conscious leadership approach, I also got connected to the conscious capitalism movement, mm -hmm. and which also has the same mission to make businesses more sustainable for the future, building on an approach which works for people and the planet and the profit. And I always thought, well, this is such a marketing gig, right? It's like, yeah. why are they even talking about it? Because coming from Germany with all the Hanyas and Krups and Bush and even Fugger, there's always a component of these things in it because these companies are 200 plus years old. They are not for short-term results. They are for long-term results. And they had a lot of responsibility towards the people who worked for them, but also the society they were at. And when I came back to Germany, suddenly I was only booked by uh, because of the reason I worked with a lot of startups. I worked in the agile movement and I knew what innovation were out there. And I was like, hey, where's our old thinking, right? Our old, more solid, long-term thinking, and it felt it was gone when I came back to Germany. So bridging these, I think both is important. We need to dare for progress, right? So AI, quantum physics, and all of these things which are out there are important because they are part of evolution. On the other hand, it's also the why. Why are we doing that? We are not doing that because it's so sexy, right? Or we make a lot of money or we have a bigger house. At the end, we do this to sustain society. And that is lost. And so this comes back to a regenerative mindset understands that we are in sync with cycles, mm -hmm. just as nature is. Yeah. We cannot just thrive and go up. We need yeah. to go in circles. We have to integrate What is happening in that change, in that innovation? Do we integrate our personal development? Are we integrating the phases of learning, uh, of recharging, as an example? We cannot just run sprints after sprint after sprint, or we can also not run many marathons after another. There is always a part of it. So a regenerative mindset to summarize it in short, obviously it's a longer conversation, is really the thinking about, you know, have the next five generations in mind when you make decisions. Take time to stop before you run again and integrate a more systemic approach 
which is not just good for one, but for many in this way. And I mean, I see that there's definitely a lack in business, but I also see many leaders who are really urging for that. And so it's, it's pretty cool to see that. And it's all, in my opinion, also the only way how we really can sustain humanity not just on Mars, but here. <laughs> um, because if we well, continue this, we also F <laughs> up Mars when we continue with this consciousness, with this mindset. I appreciated your Mars dig. Thank you. <laughs> and as I was listening, you talk about regenerative leadership. I went, well, duh, of course, that it, we need that. It's not... It's not even radical, but I know it's not nearly practiced enough. Now you have, you just used the word, so systemic approach, and you used the word systems before. And I I like to relate this to in your personal life and your personal choices, but because a traditional systemic choice for your life would be is the father of your daughter is American. You two are married. You live either in Germany or in Dusseldorf. And that's not how you live your life. You are not married to the father of your daughter. You have a very cordial relationship. You live in Germany. He lives in Silicon Valley. Your daughter is bilingual. You talked about two families, two cultures. That can sound, on one hand, very, very sexy and cool. And on the other hand, you go, wow, that's a lot to navigate. So maybe just give us a snapshot of how you navigate this international parenting life. It's funny you say that because I always feel like in Germany, everyone thinks I'm super crazy. In California, everyone thinks, oh, that's normal, right? <laughs> uh, so here we are again with these different mindsets. Obviously, that's a yeah. bias because you can find these kind of mindsets everywhere. But I would say it is what it is, right? I am who I am and the situation is what it is. What makes a difference is that consciously you have to make decisions. And this decision is not forever, but it is the right thing in this moment. Different phases are coming up. And I think this is where really bringing up a child really teaches us. Because every time I think, ooh, here's a nice routine. Everything is goes smoothly. <laughs> She's going through the next growth sprint or it has to change a school, right? Coming to gymnasium or whatever. And there's a chaos again. And so being in routine, being in your comfort zone, which is more related to the tradition, is a fault understanding because we all saw how it is with COVID. Yeah. So I feel now it's actually not that exhausting for me to have this life because maybe naturally I already have a systemic system mindset. I know which courts to need to pull, but it's very exhausting to always have to explain myself somewhere. Yeah. But I, I also I- learned maybe just for one addition is I, at one point I stopped explaining myself to the people where it's not worth it, but there is also parts where you need to explain and maybe shift something through that. And in Germany, we have 
the law that children need to go to school. They cannot miss um, a day, not even for a vacation or a celebration or anything. And it was really hard to take my daughter out of school for a longer period, which we did for since she's in school. But when you talk and you make an understanding that this is actually really good for a child and you find that there are actually more gray zones to be colored than we think, you find solutions together with the people where you think they say no all the time. So obviously, if I work over there, if the father's over there, it's great for the child to be over there. Additionally, she is not just bilingual, she is multicultural, Yeah, right? She adjusts to different friends, to different environments. Um, She is very curious in many ways as well. And she learns so much through that, which no classroom can offer. You contrasted these two beautiful things, routine and chaos, and both can be wonderful and both can be stifling, right? So there's a, even in each of those poles, there can be a plus and a minus. Now, I'm struck by the fact that this year you you got a visa that is actually very hard to get. It's a professional visa that's only really given in the United States to people who are perceived to have be extraordinary workers, thinkers in their field and have value to add to the United States. And you can suddenly, if you chose to, just live in California for a while, no go, not go back to Germany. I remember asking you, so now that the legal stuff is not a barrier <laughs> and you could just be, how do you navigate having these options that even a year ago you didn't have? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So I got this visa and took a while, obviously, to get this expert status. And when I traveled now with this passport, the custom officer said to my daughter, oh, my God, do you know what your mom is? An extraordinary alien. And it totally hit me. I was like, what? I'm an alien? And I'm extraordinary. Yeah. And it was so funny, you know, with these wordings. And for some people, this seems normal. But for me, it was like, I don't feel myself extraordinary. I'm so, so normal like everyone else. And I also don't feel myself as an expert. Obviously, I have tons of expertise in business transformation and leadership development. But it was really interesting. It really hit me. And... Not so much about the option now to maybe settle back to California for good, for more time than just the three months. It was more about, okay, what am I doing now and in which phase am I? And talking about phases, uh, which I think everyone needs to reflect on how we make our decisions for this phase, but especially as a mother. There are always phases where you can work more and where you can work less or where you can be uh, away or where you can or you need to be very present for the child. And this goes really in waves, which most companies has, have not understood yet, because otherwise they would have a lot of great talents in the workplace, which they are missing out now. Um, but to your question is, I feel for me, it's a lot about this bridge building. Mm-hmm. So it's not so much about 
where is my settled home, right? The yeah. settled home is within us, what we are, what we want, and the people around us. And I am blessed with a lot of beautiful people all over the world. Right. But the going back and forth, let's say, is also something where I leave my bubble yeah. and I have a new horizon. We all live in a bubble. You know, wherever we go, if we live in California full time, we are in a bubble too. It's not reality. And I always see that it just came back. And my daughter loves to count the self-driving taxis, which are now <laughs> on the road. Yes. It's like, if I tell this to the German mom here or the teacher, they think I'm crazy. Now we are out in San Francisco and you see them on every corner and it is still pretty weird to think about that people are sitting in the back and not in the front, but it's still a bubble. It's still a bubble, right? And so me be going back and forth and having this open not just a visit, right? But open understanding, knowing people, looking behind the scene, seeing the pain, seeing the gain allows me also to do the work and steer with my clients in the right direction because it's always yin and yang. Everything good has something bad and everything bad has something good in it. And it's good if we have a more open perspective. Um, at least it's my answer for right now. But who knows? Right school comes along, a great offer. Maybe I make San Francisco my home, solid home uh, for the next years again, if it fits, if it fits our needs. Yeah. So as you, this was a wonderful bridge to sort of contemplate the future and because of this expert visa you have more legal options than you had before and i think we covered some of the basics but on a soul level if we go back to that and if you ask your soul what would make my life even sweeter what are some things i would like to do more of or less of and as you look to the future, like what comes to mind besides a job? You know, well, definitely going through the redwoods. I love taking hikes through the redwoods. I love the trees. I am definitely a total tree hugger. <laughs> it just fills my soul with their wisdom and and smelling that. I love the love the ocean. Just this nature side. I definitely. It recharges me and I would love to have more of that. The Rhine walks are nice too, but doesn't do this so much for my soul. It's more for exercising. And I definitely very much miss my spiritual community with Spirit Rock in Marin as well. And the online is really good in so many ways. Through COVID, we have access to so much wisdom, but it's something different when you sit with 100 people, meditate together, contemplate about a Dharma talk. It just, the physical energy does something. So I want to have more of my spiritual family and more of the nature because you've had such an international life and you have 
and you're, as you said at the beginning, you're an explorer, you're an inventor, you're somebody who tries stuff. And you have a 10-year-old daughter who I have had the pleasure of meeting, who's also a very curious child with lots of curiosity. So based on what you've learned about yourself, if you had to give your daughter some life guidance and some life wisdom, like a compass to live by, what would you say to her? It's hard because there is so much on one hand and also it is again about in what kind of stage is she. So I hope I always find the right things to say to her which she needs in that moment. Obviously, that is that she is very loved and that her roots are very grounded in this love, but also that she always should spread her wings to fly to the places or whatever she wants to do, which makes her heart sing. But sometimes tough mother love is also <laughs> to say, do your homework, right? Because that's important too. get a good education, surround yourself with interesting, smart people. So you have all the opportunities which are out there. Yeah. As we wrap up, and I don't want to, this is just a comment for our listeners. Um, as I was listening to Eve, I appreciated throughout this conversation, your sensitivity to use language like cycles and phases, which if I translate, and this is so important to the fourth act, which is life is not rigid. Life wants to evolve and change. And our job is to notice it and not block it and, and be part of the change journey for ourselves as well. And in business, we can do it too. I'm sure people who haven't met you before will be curious and want to learn more about you and the stuff that you do. Where would you like to direct them? Where where can we learn more about the work and life of Eve Simon? Well, it's obviously on LinkedIn, right? As every professional, I try to share my thoughts and wisdoms and concerns there. Otherwise, on my website or just grab a phone and let's have a conversation, right? I love Zoom calls and Zoom coffees because it is all about the conversation. And your website and is evesimon.com? evesimon.com, absolutely. Wonderful. And it I is so interesting because I was really reflecting on the fourth act and what it is about. And for me, I can say, I mean, thinking about retirement is, again, a very defined social moment, right? And I thought to myself, I have no idea of retirement. But one thing I really know is I love to find someone I can grow young with. Mm -hmm. And that there's always something to be part of, right? If it's paid, not paid and be more engaged until the end, kind of. Thank you for that wonderful last message. And it was a, an absolute joy to speak with you. Thank you, Eve. Thank you so much, Achim, for everything you do. Like what you heard? Please go to myfourthact.com and subscribe to receive my updates on upcoming episodes 
Please also subscribe to us on the platform of your choice. Rate us, give us a review, and let us all create some magical fourth acts together. Ciao.